today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. No man takes the credit. He alone is worthy of all the praise, all the glory due His name. Never try in any way in the flesh to take credit for that which God alone has done. That's what this is saying. No flesh, no flesh. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us how spectacular God's glory is. This glory is not to be trifled with by mortals. If we try to take glory for what only God has done, there will be consequences. God takes this very seriously, and all the glory belongs to Him alone. Our flesh will never glory in the presence of Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 42 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This picture that we get painted on the canvas of this prophecy is one of a compassionate, kind, gentle man, God-man, very loving. And again, I, I hope that throughout our study of this chapter that we, I'll include myself, will allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts concerning If this is what Jesus is like, am I like Jesus? Is God making me more compassionate with people? Patient? Gentle? Long-suffering? By the way, this is all from the Holy Spirit, right? Galatians 5. That's another verse we quote very often. Have you ever really gone through that list? How far do you get before you're busted? I mean, I I usually make it to patience, busted. (laughs) I'm so impatient. You know what impatience says? My time is more important than yours. Impatience says, I am more valuable than you. Do you know who I am? That's pride. And it is the antithesis of meekness. And that is from the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this, and I'm going to... No, I'm just going to say it. I mean, here it is. It just is what it is. We are never more like Jesus than when we are meek and humble. And we are never more like Satan than when we're proud. Think about that. I want to be like Jesus. Well, that means that you need to be humble because Jesus is the personification of humility. 
being meek. Not weak, as we're going to see now in verse 4. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands, the coastlands having this idea of being the far off lands, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Did you catch that? Oh, he might be gentle, and he's not going to break this bruised reed. He's not going to snuff out or throw out this smoldering wick. But never think for a moment that because he's meek, he's weak. He's not weak. And see, that's our problem, isn't it? We have bought into this notion that meekness is synonymous with weakness and nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus was not only strong, he was powerful. And not only powerful, but all-powerful, omnipotent, all-powerful. Verse 5, thus says, thus says God the Lord, <laughs> who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, verse 6, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Oh, interesting. You know what this is saying? This is what Jesus was called to do when he was sent to the world, and it was fulfilled when he was in the world. Everything we just read from verses 5 through 7 is the purpose to which he was called as the Savior of the world. Now it doesn't stop there. It's our purpose too. If we're going to be like Jesus, if this is what Jesus was like, and it was, and this is what he was called to do, and it is, and if we want to be like Jesus and we're called according to his purpose, then you can reread those verses and just put your name in there and see how far you get. I'm not going to tell you how far I got. Okay, I'll tell you, I got to verse 5, and then that's as far as I got. Verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. Will you hang on to that for just a moment? Put that in your hip pocket. We're going to come back to that. Nor my praise to carved images. Behold, verse 9, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, and His praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea, 
and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them. Let the wilderness, verse 11, and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare His praise in the coastlands. Did that sound like we just read out of the Psalms? That's because we basically just did. Because this is a song of praise to the Lord. And in this song it is a declaration that it is only the Lord who receives all the glory. Take that back out of your hip pocket. We need to talk about this. Because no flesh glories in His presence. God will share His glory with no one. Very interesting, by the way. You know in the priestly service in the tabernacle, and then subsequently in the temple, the priests had to cover themselves with their robes all the way, so that when they would step up to the altar to offer the sacrifice, no flesh could show. It had to cover all of their flesh. And it also had to be made of a material that would not cause perspiration, because perspiration comes from the flesh. In other words, when you're in my presence, I don't want to see any flesh. I'll tell you, every pastor <laughs> should take this to heart and take heed to this. God's the one that gets the glory. No man touches the glory. No man takes the credit. He alone is worthy of all the praise, all the glory due His name. Never try in any way in the flesh to take credit for that which God alone has done. That's what this is saying. No flesh, no flesh. Verse 13, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. Wait a minute, that seems like the opposite of what we just read at the beginning. Well, hang in there. We'll talk about it. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have held my peace, verse 14, a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste the mountains and hills, and dry up all their vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands, and I will dry up the pools. Wow, what is going on here? This is the polar opposite of His voice shall not be heard aloud in the streets. He's not boisterous and obnoxious. And now he's saying, I will be loud and you will hear. What gives? Well, 
There's a stark contrast here. The first part of the chapter was about the first coming of Jesus, and this part here in the chapter is about the second coming of Jesus. I love, and there's been many songs written about it, much in the way of commentary written about it, but when Jesus came the first time, He came as the suffering servant. But when He's coming back, He's not coming as the suffering servant. He's coming as the conquering King. Conquering King. And you know what? Ah, ah, I can't wait. Because every knee is going to bow. And every filthy, ugly, blasphemous tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. i tell you why I get so passionate about this. There's a, a reason for it, and I think you'll understand when I share this with you. It settles me and it keeps me sane when I see what's happening in the world today. And I see what man is doing. The evil of man perpetrated upon the righteous. You know, was, um, you know what my prayer has been as of late? It's been something along the lines of, Lord, sustain the righteous and restrain the evil. You know, in Second Thessalonians we, we have the prophecy about the restrainer restraining, and then once the restrainer is taken out of the way, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Thank you for laughing, because if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. Can you believe that right now the evil, as evil as the evil is, is actually still being restrained? Can you imagine when the restrainer is taken out of the way? And so on the one side of it, Lord, restrain the evil, and He is. But in concert with restraining evil, there needs to be this sustaining of the righteous. Sustain the righteous, restrain the evil. And I'll tell you what what restrains me (laughs) in my righteous anger when I see what's happening is knowing that when my Jesus comes back, He will come back as the King of Kings, the conquering King, and every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess, Jesus is Lord. But here's the thing, when they do, it's not for salvation, it's for damnation. Now, if that seems unloving and harsh, I think we would all do well to consider that, yes, Jesus loves me, but while Jesus is loving, He is also just. And if He's not just, He's not loving, and if He's not loving, He's not just. 
You cannot separate the two. Verse 16, how about that? I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them, and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them, and not forsake them. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed who trust in science. I mean carved images. I'm so sorry. Not really. Who say to the molded images, you are our gods. We're putting our trust in you. Hear you deaf, verse 18, and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as he who is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? Seeing many things, verse 20, but you do not observe. Opening the ears, but he does not hear. Who's this speaking about? Oh. Well, Isaiah is turning a corner here, and he goes from describing Jesus to describing his people Israel. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. Give me a moment here. There's there's something here I think we would do well to notice, and it has to do with how it is that you can hear but not hear. Right? You know what I mean by that? I mean, you can hear, but you're not really hearing. You have ears, but you don't hear. Every one of the seven letters in the book of Revelation to those churches ended with this. Let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying. To the church. You know how it is when you're in a conversation with somebody, and not you, I'm talking about other carnal Christians do this, not you guys. You guys are amazing. But you know, they're, they're talking, but you're not really hearing them. I mean, you're hearing, but you're not really hearing them. But you know, you're, but you're, oh, you're good at inserting the, you know, right things at the right time, like, oh, is that right? Hmm. You are miles away thinking about something totally different, or worse yet, you're not hearing them because you're thinking about what you're going to say. And then sometimes you'll even interrupt them. You're not hearing them. Have you ever noticed that God did not deem it fit to give us earlids like He did? I know this is weird, but there's, there's actually a profound point to this. You know, we have eyelids, we don't have earlids. You ever thought about that? There's never a time when you shut your ears the way you would shut your eyes. And by the way, the eyes aren't off the hook yet either. Because you, you know how you can be looking, but you're not really seeing. You know, when we say eyes to see, well, I, and by the way, how rhetorical is that? Let him who has an ear. What? Okay, wait a minute. 
everybody who has an ear, well, everybody has an ear. In fact, everybody has two of them ears. Okay, hear then. Same thing with the eyes. You have eyes, but you're not seeing it. You don't have eyes to see. You don't have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is a sad description of God's people. Unless we be too harsh on Israel, as I know many of us are prone to do. I know I'm just as guilty as the next guy when I'm in the Old Testament, which I am often, and I read about the Israelites, especially during the Exodus, murmuring and complaining. I'm like, man, how could you murmur? And the Holy Spirit's like, if you were there, you would have been at the front of that line complaining. We we want meat to eat. So bored of this manna. Manna yesterday, manna today, manna tomorrow. I mean, you can only make so many manna burgers. We want meat to eat. I would have been the, I would have made up, no, maybe not. I was going to say I would have made up, you know, those posters and started a, you know, protest and give us meat to eat. (laughs) You know, and and when we read that, we're all, we're so pious in our spiritual, you know, well, I would never do that. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yeah, I, I have ears to hear. No, you don't. No, you don't. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's a, here's a good example. It just came to me. I'm hoping this is the Holy Spirit. Believe it is. Here it goes. You know how when you're hearing God's Word, you're sitting under the teaching of God's Word. Maybe you're listening to a, a message, and here's what you think to yourself. Man, so-and-so needs to hear this. I think I'll send him the link. Oh, really? Oh, they need to hear it. You don't need to hear this. I mean, you're good. No, they, they, oh, I'm, I wish they were here to hear this. They need to hear this. <laughs> what about you? Maybe you need to hear this. No, I heard it. Well, oh, you have ears, but did you really hear You know, I always, and I did this before I got into the pastorate, but I would always ask the Lord prior to a Bible study and a Sunday morning service, any time I was going to sit under the teaching of God's Word, I would always ask God to prepare my heart to receive the Word, to give me eyes that would see. I mean, I have eyes. I don't need eyes. I just need eyes that see what you want to show me, Lord, because I know you want to show me something, and just because you're showing it to me doesn't mean I'm seeing it. And just because you're speaking it to me doesn't mean I'm hearing it. So Lord, when you show it to me, give me eyes to see it, because I want to see it. And when you speak it, I want to have ears that are going to hear it and heed it. 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding of the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.